Hi, Dave. Hi, Devorah. Here we are again. <laughs> Here we are again. Welcome to season three of what used to be called the Baker's Wife podcast, but what we'll be getting some kind of facelift. Okay, great. What are we calling ourselves? I don't know. There are super so many um, suggestions that have flown our way. I guess we'll look at a few of them. But I would say our most exciting change is um, that you are a co-host now. I'm a co-host. You've yes, been promoted. I'm, I'm not a guest. You're no longer guest hosting. You are a co-host. So what does that give me? Um, me being a type A personality, it gives me like a little bit of nervousness that I'm not in total and full control of everything that happens. We've been together for a while, so you know. You're used to it. Um, I, I guess meaning you... It wasn't I'm used to it, it's that I, you, you can trust me. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I'm excited for you to like take the role of co-host seriously, like have like topics that you want to talk about or... Um, <laughs> maybe answer things in like longer sentences that perhaps you've done in the past. Well, listen, in high school, I used to, we needed to extend paragraphs to, you know, fit the requirements so I can. You can just talk yeah, and talk and talk. I, I highly doubt that. I don't think in my entire time of knowing you, you just look at blah, 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 blah. But we're going to find out. Um, it's been a really long time since we've done, first of all, a podcast, but also the whole world basically went to hell. And our little business that could sort of did through Corona. Are you surprised about that? I think for the most part, at least for me, I just assumed we'd go bankrupt. Um, that could have happened. Yeah. Um, I, I read a really good book lately called uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And he talks about, um, you know, b stronger businesses are the ones that have a really good sense of why we're doing it, not how we're doing it or what we do. It's about why we do. And I think Papa Melach, I think Papa Melach, well, what, what we've created in Papa Melach is uh, there's a very strong why. It's so funny this. that you say that. That's cool, first of all, that you say that. You should read it. I'll read it. Um, we used to do show notes. I guess we'll do show notes with a, a link to the book or something. Sure. Um, but I really did have that why. I remember when we um, we closed, I think we were always one step ahead of the trend of what we were doing. Our staff was wearing gloves before you needed gloves, uh, masks. We closed our restaurant days before any other restaurant closed. Uh, I don't think we had it's kind of any... nice to walk down this memory lane. I've wanted to. Yeah, yeah. you've talked about this. You've talked about this because there was this very strong, meaning we had closed the restaurant and then we were forced to close the store and it was leading into Pesach. And we knew that in order to at least keep the minimal staff employed, our goal at that time was like, we I mean, it's people's Parnassa. You know, you, you want as many people as you can sort of keep on board. And we couldn't, meaning I think we were a staff of close to 40 at the time. And we went down to nine. We went down to nine really, really quickly. Look, some people, it was obvious to them because their kids were at home and they didn't have any other daycare options. So there was sort of that experience. There were some Arab villages that I think closed closed quickly. And, um, and so our Arab workers couldn't come to work. And so we sort of had about eight or nine people and we closed, we closed Efrat, we closed the store and we closed... Um, the bakery there, and we moved everybody to Rosh Tzurim. Yeah, we just said, you know, we're we're gonna bake matzahs. <clears throat> we're gonna bake matzahs, and we're gonna make cookies and and yeah. Pesach desserts. We're just gonna go into a Pesach line and a Hail Mary, meaning it was. I remember feeling every single day that that would be our last day. 
Like, what was it going to take? Meaning at the start, science didn't know what was happening. There were so many rumors and you just, you didn't get it. And so there were nine of us working there. Am I right that it's nine? I think maybe. Um, oh, you know what? Ahmed was working with us. We did yeah. have, um, we did have one of our Palestinian workers with us, but um, it was, and it was everybody. touch and go, touch yeah, and go. It felt that, I remember, I remember calling the kids when I was on my way home and saying, I'm coming home from work. Wait, go, everybody go wait outside. And I would come in and I'd run upstairs and I'd shower and I'd throw all my clothes in the laundry and then I'd feel like I could talk to the kids. Yeah, we, um, you know, there, <clears throat> nobody knew anything. And it's like you, you went to your uh, third grade, everything you know about germs mode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm at a gas station, I touch the pump, I don't have a glove, so don't let this hand touch anything until I get home. You, but at the gas station, maybe the gasoline will kill COVID, like... Well, you know, like, Real, the beginning was really the unknown, was really the unknown. Also, at that time, meaning that Pesach, Yael, our oldest at the time, was in Australia. And we were trying to, like, grab them out of Australia before Australia closed down. And in the end, Yael had about five hours, her and her friends that were there doing Shirut Lumi, doing, doing um, national service. They had five hours to pack their bags, say their goodbyes, and get out of the at country. At first, we thought, we were like, just, just let them stay. Let's let them weather the storm there. I yeah. remember I thought that. It's, uh, I, I, <laughs> I didn't because as much as Yael can hang out with me, that's all I want. So I probably was like, is there a pandemic on the horizon? Just bring Yael home. But you're right that the, the sense of why really did keep us going at the start. Because there was really this strong sense of, you know, Papa Melch was always about a community. Our, our customers also, I, the number, I mean, I remember so clearly, the number of people who were texting us or WhatsApping us or schools in America who wanted to Zoom in. Was it even Zoom? Did Zoom even exist at the start of the pandemic? No idea. Was Skype? <laughs> I don't know what it was. Facebook Live? I don't even know what it was, but I remember us doing, I think we did one for Ramah. Maybe we did one for B'nai Akiva. I don't remember where we did, like we live streamed our matzah baking. Yeah. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, but that, you know, our, our ability to pivot to, okay, now we're, we're a bread bakery and now we're a Pesach line completely. Right. And, and then while we were doing the Pesach line, we realized that we would need to pivot again, meaning we realized restaurants were, were never coming back, meaning even now I'm shocked that there's a restaurant. Yeah, so we said, you know, if, if the why of Patamelech was community and Corona is anti-community... <laughs> Yeah, um, we created a new the the web store was born. We created a virtual community, which, if at any point in time, I'm going to shout out Aviva, our web designer extraordinaire, who's also from Toronto, who I grew up with, and her older sister Lisa, such a good friend of mine in high school. Meaning, we we sort of turned to the website and we're like, okay, let's create an online platform, and we managed to do that within two months with a million bugs. And again, it was really this idea of community that no, kept us buoyant. It's not, you know, since it's community and it's a two-way street, I, I feel like the communication between the, the, the bakery and the community that we serve and we work with and we live with and we enjoy was wonderful. It always felt like people wanted us to succeed. Yeah. There was always that feeling of, um, of how can we continue and what will it take to sort of survive one more day in the business. And so I think when we hit Pesach, that was like our first marker. Like we had survived and we'd sort of made it. And then over Pesach, we just, I mean, I guess you're in lockdown. So organically, you're spending time with your children. But in addition to spending time with our children, we were just building a site. And we kept the sourdough of the bakery in our freezer fridge over Pesach in our house. 
because the Rav did not let me go and sell it to anybody. And he said it's okay to uh, sell it, you know, sell it over the phone and keep the the, 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 the main sourdough of the bakery was in our house. It's, it's funny that in your telling of these stories, like where the sourdough was at all times is so significant. I totally forgot that. I forgot there were so many things like, meaning like even if like you were, you wanted to kosher things for Pesach, like it was a whole different thing, even in our house, what you could do. I forgot about that. Right. Halacha was a little bit uh, yeah, we, challenged we, at that we, time. We all davened. We didn't even daven in outdoor minyanim. We davened in our we daven in oh, our yard with our neighbors, right. hearing, overhearing with our, you know, it was, we weren't even standing, there was more than two meters. It was a... No, everybody stood in their backyards and the loudest guy davened, basically. Yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about that. I do feel, you've all along talked about how we should be writing it down and we should be remembering it. And I sort of, I, I think I'm, I'm really just the opposite. Like, I feel like you have this like deep philosophical approach to what it is that we went through as meaning as the two of us, as a family, as our bakery, as the world, like you have this very large philosophical relationship with what happened. And I sort of feel like, what did we need to do to get through the day? It works together. It works together. Um, look, after Pesach, we launched online and we started going from community to community to community. I think we were basically anywhere from between everywhere in the Gush, and then we were hitting Beit Shemesh and Modi'in, Sor Hadassah, Ranana, I want to say Yad Binyamin, Rehovot. Like there seemed to be really like these trade routes almost also, that we started. Also a lot of home deliveries locally that people were, you know, were able to interact with the bakery and bring stuff to their locally. Look, there are all these crazy laws, meaning like, so you were allowed to do takeaway. You could order at a restaurant that was still open for takeaway, but you couldn't come into the restaurant to pick it up. They had to bring it to your car or deliver it. But we were also a store, and you were allowed to come into a store because that was considered um, an essential worker. Look, so in theory, yeah. you could come into the store to buy bread, buy your bread, leave the store, call the store to order your sandwich, and then we'd have to bring your sandwich outside. Yeah, but there was, yeah, and then there was... Then there was everybody who comes in has to write their name down and their ID number so we could tell the government if who had corona, if somebody was in the store at what time, and bringing people water who were the line out the door. Oh my gosh. I remember like people like there was a time that we told our staff that they had to be personal shoppers, like that it had to be a one to one ratio. Like we would only let a person in if one of our staff could meet them, give them what they need, and got them out. And also, if you were with somebody for under 15 minutes, then in theory, you wouldn't have to go into, you wouldn't have to be quarantined. So it was almost like a stop clock started. Is that a stop clock? A stop watch? Stop watch. A stop watch started. We've been in Israel for many years. <laughs> um, but a timer, let's just call it a timer, started in our, like, uh, in, like in our minds anytime anybody walked in because we needed to get them in and out as quickly as possible. I remember the police coming to check to make sure that we didn't have too many people in the store. I remember Fridays, like people standing in the rain outside because we were letting three people in at a time. Yes. For a long time, this happened. For a long time, it happened. And then certainly things become the new normal. Yeah, and then then things got then there were, then things got you know easier and worse. Yeah, and only a certain amount of people in the store was fine, and then standing apart and you know look what happened was people I think people started becoming less afraid of Corona and more afraid of going into quarantine because in Israel. No, it, I disagree. I feel like I was meaning I remember when the shots came out 
and there was this possibility of getting vaccinated that for me that was the real fear like are you going to get corona right on the cusp of getting the the um, vaccination i don't remember ever let, like for me i was always more afraid of corona than i was of quarantine we're yes look we also we were worried about ourselves going into quarantine but we're also worried about our staff going into quarantine or having corona because one person could sort of neutralize uh, the entire staff. Right, and uh, it really didn't happen. People were really vigilant, <laughs> except for when they weren't. I Meaning, look, we had the amazing advice of, of Noah Horitz, who was like Terem, Corona, um, medical essential worker extraordinaire. Chess player. Yeah, who was on speed dial, meaning who could explain to us like how you wanted to sort of build the community of employees that we had so that, you know, if one person went down, not everybody had to go and be quarantined. Right. But at the end of the day, our staff is a young staff with a lot of kids at home, with a lot of uh, young families and older families. And all it took was like one kid in one kindergarten class to be exposed and then like we lost workers for like weeks on end yeah as it got to, as we hit the tipping point between people getting vaccinated that was the heaviest time of people being thrown into into quarantine like though the two months as vaccination started and people were like kind of scooping out of it that's when all the that's when all the quarantines happen. And this, oh, she's going in for two weeks. This one's in now. This one has a kid at home. So they have to be with their kid. Like, but also, meaning our community in Alon Shvut, so kids were all home. But at a certain point, there was sort of this tacit understanding that, like, for the emotional and mental health of your 10-year-old or 12-year-old, like, he had to be able to go run around on a field somewhere or in a park somewhere. Yeah. I guess one of the strangest things for me is now that at least, at least Israel has, is really digging out of it, and is, we're pretty much out of it here in Israel, at least. I think yesterday there were four cases. Right. Okay. So how quickly we forget. It, it's fascinating to me. It's true. Meaning we were, I, I couldn't believe that we would really open the restaurant ever again. I, in my wildest imaginations, I couldn't understand what service would look like. I couldn't imagine us going out to a restaurant again. I would think like the amount of anxiety for me anyway that would be attached to it wouldn't make it worthwhile. And then at a certain point within a week or two of restaurants being open, you're like, oh yeah, we're back to it. Yeah, it sprung back very quickly. Yeah. So that, that was, that, that, that. That still surprises me till today. Also, um, it's I, I don't have an office at work. Like just the way that it's built out and the way that things are set up. Like there's no real office space for me. But during Corona, I had the whole restaurant became my office, which was very, very um, luxurious. And um, I had to give that up. And it felt like for the first few days that the restaurant was opened, I sort of pretended that I could sort of wall myself off and have an office. Um, but that sort of that sort of ended rather yeah, quickly. We don't have anywhere to sit anymore. We don't have anywhere to sit anymore, um, which is, I guess, part of the excitement of how we're growing and developing is um, we're taking more space in Efrat now. Yeah, we're going to be expanding, which is really exciting. I think it's something like had we thought that a year ago, we would have been laughing, laughing, laughing. There would have been no thought to that happening right we're taking more space we're fairly confident that tourism is going to be coming back uh, both internal in israel and from uh from 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 the states yeah look i we don't i don't i think we're slowly booking workshops i'm super nervous to 
book workshops. I think maybe we've forgotten how to run them. I don't really, do we have to send out letters to like in advance? I, I don't know. I'm not sure how to get back into it, but I think tour buses from like NCSY groups are coming and Rama is coming. Lots and lots of like 16 and 17 year olds from at least from America. I don't know from Canada, but um, are, are coming back, which is shocking to us. So yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, look, we'll expand space. We're taking some workshop space, some event space. Look, it's a rare opportunity to hit the reset button on everything. Everything, there's no, every, everything starts starts new. Look, I remember very, very clearly the main issues that we were struggling with the start of Corona, like the, the things that were on the bubble, like, you know, business decisions that we wanted to make that were going to be difficult for us or we didn't really want to do it or we thought maybe we could. Or, and it really, within the first two weeks of Corona, we were able to make these like really quick decisions on things that had been like really bothering us for a long time. It's very, it's very, it's very powerful experience to be able to make a quick and correct and accurate decision. Or a wrong decision, but global pandemic sort of allows you to yeah, make no, those you're too. Able, the ability to make qu quick decisions with a... You know, you know, let's get the brains in the room and we're making a decision now. It's not, you know, we're not pushing it off till later. Let's think about it. We'll get back to it next week. Like, what are we doing now? Let's make a decision. It was very, it was very healthy. It was healthy in a very, very unhealthy time. Yes. Look, one of the main things was the reason that we moved from Rosh Surim over to Efrat was our plan of wholesaling bread, wholesaling breads around the country. And we sort of started in that way. We were in 40 or 50 stores, at least like within like 25 or 40 kilometers of our own store. And uh, we stopped wholesaling breads almost immediately. Pretty much overnight. Yeah. That was pretty fast, and it's not something that we went back to. I'm curious to see if we do eventually go back to it, but when the world sort of opened up and, you know, the grocery stores started calling and wanting breads, we're like, you know what, we're, I think we're okay right now. You know, I like this door-to-door. -door. First of all, building an artisan community, you know, you really want the interaction of going to people's houses. Not that we do it so often, but um, you want that interaction. So that was something that we had closed down, and we never really looked back. On the other hand, while we turned to home deliveries for um, breads, crackers went in a totally different direction. Right. So crackers, you know, there, there, there are certain bakery products that uh, wholesale very well. Um, one of the challenges of, uh, of a bakery is fresh, right? Fresh, you know, I, you know, I have a harder time than strawberries because like at least I they think can, nothing they, is harder than strawberries. No, they can stay on the shelf for like three, four days. I, I, I have like two days. Um, so the whole delivery networks are fresh we really got a very deep understanding of that so crackers crackers is basically turning a bakery into shelf life yeah they stay forever they well three or four months and um so the crackers they they, they really it's like it's such a crazy thing. We see them all over the country. Uh, we love, I get pictures all the time. I get pictures all the time of people in like the most random places holding bags of our crackers. We were at a wedding last night. Congratulations, Shira and um, Yoni, beautiful wedding. And like in the gift shop of the winery, our crackers are sitting there. I love that stuff. Um, one of the nice things uh, that I enjoy, um, it is going back to the why is um, when people from Kushetzion, from our, our, from our region, from our area here, um, they're on vacation, they're tuling somewhere, they're out somewhere, and they're like up in the north, down south, and they're like, Dave, what, look at, they send pictures, like, what are your crackers doing in a lot? And I'm like, hey, did they, like, they have this like pride of Kushetzion, which is like a why of what we started here. Like we, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a local pride. 
I totally agree with that. There is something that people feel like very close to us and close to our stories, like this sort of like these local kids made it big somehow with these crackers. Um, they appeared on like, I don't know, like an Israeli TV show. I do not know anything about Israeli TV, but like on some Israeli TV show, like some kind of bachelorette sort of gig, like they're on a date, on a picnic date, and our crackers are in their picnic basket. I love it. Look, it's also cool, like we have a kid in the army now and the army canteen sells our crackers. So it feels like, look, we're, we're everywhere. We're watching you, a little big brother. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a, it's a, it's a good feeling and we're continuing to work to add to, this, uh, to these products, to develop to product development, to add things. Um, one of the nicest things now is like um, this uh, really, a really deep appreciation of our staff and our jobs being like, let me get you whatever you need to make it work great that happened to be i think there was some kind of like boot camp for staff surviving in a business together with quarantine with corona taking time off coming back in meaning there was a very very strong sense of camaraderie um that built that i i don't i don't know another scenario that could have created that bond that um that developed between them and between us and them, meaning it just became, everybody's very, very protective and understanding and caring. People really are building each other up. And I think that to me, if we can walk out of Corona, please Hashem, please God, let us be walking out of Corona. But if we can be walking out of Corona with a staff that really, you know, walked through it with us, a blessing. Look, look we're really, really proud of the team that we have and who we're working with. Um, and it's really exciting to think about uh, what's going to happen next. I totally agree. And that's a great segue to say, well, what's happening next on our season here? In, um, well, I guess the first thing we're going to need to do is pick a name, uh, which we won't do right now. But I'm just going to shout out a couple of hilarious ones <laughs> that have been tossed our way off of Facebook. Um, <laughs> needless to say, is hilarious. Half-baked baker's tail. Um, upper crust. It's pretty funny. Yeast meets West. <laughs> um, I'm just scrolling. Hilarious. Um, Baker's Life instead of from Baker's Wife. Flower Power. F-L-O-U-R. That's groany. Bakery Banter. Jessica, that's hilarious. Um, oh, I mean, they're just a ton. So I guess maybe one of the first things we'll do is we'll pick a name. That feels like the right thing to do. And yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and now, I mean, I hope that the third season is going to sort of, you know, follow what happens post-global pandemic. There are a whole bunch of new things happening in the bakery, new yeah, equipment. There's a lot. There's a lot in the works. There's a lot going on. Um, really taking what we've built and what, what you know, taking these foundations and, and building on them. I would say most of our staff would rather never be on this podcast with us. <laughs> I really like, even if I'm like thinking, like scrolling through all of them, I can't imagine anybody that wants to sit here and talk for an hour with us. But hopefully we'll have some of our staff with us, you know, walking you through some of the big changes that are happening. Um, so I'm super stoked. It's going to be a great year. Please, God, let it be a great year. Okay, everybody, uh, see you for episode two.